and this is the only thing I wanted to say this whole podcast, which is thinking about the whole drive home, was that what Ryan and Morgan did in their heats to display local knowledge and execute it, I haven't seen that in a very long time from, you know, quote unquote locals. All right, welcome back to the Stab Cusp. Uh, we just came out of the first event of the Australian leg of the championship tour, Newcastle. Stace was on the ground reporting for the WSL. Maybe a mole, maybe not. Stace, tell us about it. What did we miss? Um, how's your new job? Uh, well, first of all, you shouldn't have missed anything because I'd assume you were tuning in the whole time. And second of all, new job was fun. couple moments of just sheer nervous horror and then other few moments of a few laughs and yeah overall it was uh, it was a pretty good time had by all I think yeah I thought you did pretty well from from what I gathered um you seem to have a good rapport with a lot of the surfers um there were a few funny moments as well what was your favorite interview of the uh contest um I was really enjoying talking to David Silver because um I just feel like his his stoke was so genuine every time he walked up he was like yeah i'm you know i'm a part of this brazilian storm so that was that was pretty sick and he's relatively unknown so the aussie kind of underdog in me was low-key cheering for him every battle that he came up against and then um i think i had a good one with ethan that was pretty funny it just it's cool to um be able to you know be on the other side of the camera with these guys and 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 try to you know I know how funny or, or clever they can be, so I guess it's the challenge to try and bring that out. And yeah, hopefully Ethan wins a few more heats in Narrabeen and can keep that role going. I liked the one with um, Ryan Callanan's surfboard when Dog Marsh turned you down. Yeah, that's right, Ronnie. Down here with the BF Goodrich pit check. I've got Ryan Callanan's backup board. To be honest, I came looking for uh, Ryan's coach, Dog Marsh, but apparently I'd get more chat out of this surfboard than I would out of Richard at the moment, so. <laughs> He actually didn't turn me down. I I couldn't find him, and I didn't want to try too hard to find him. Uh, I went to his usual spot, his little dog kennel down there on the beach, and he wasn't there. Uh, and I thought, you know what, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna chase him down. <laughs> um, another interview that got a lot of kind of like comments and intrigue uh, from my side of things was the Tati interview after she lost to Isabella Nichols. Um, where she said... Normally, I like don't like to talk about it right away, but I feel like this heat, I did pretty much everything I could. I think Bella just got super lucky with her insides. Um, I know if any of my waves had insides, like good insides, I would have for sure gotten like sevens or above. And that, like that, it sounds really like cocky to say, but I just felt really good, you know? So yeah, that's it. No, I don't think it sounds cocky at all. I think the level that you're at, you're allowed to have that belief for sure. And I thought you responded to that pretty well. You said, no, that's not cocky. You know, at your level, you're allowed to have that sort of like confidence and everything. Um, but yeah, what was your takeaway from that? Because I got a few funny funny comments. From well, I think, um, you know, if I was coaching her, I would say something completely different. But I'm not coaching her. I'm just interviewing her after she was eliminated. So I'm not going to say what I think. Um, but I guess I can say what I think here and that Isabella didn't really even get an inside reform. She smashed two turns out the back every wave. So I feel like, you know, and Tati's not silly. She'll go back and review that. But in the moment, I do think it's a little, 
naive sometimes to judge another surfer's wave from behind. You really do need to go home and watch it before you make a comment about another surfer's ride. And But getting back to being cocky in that, there you have to be. You have to be on yourself to, to make heats. You've got to believe in yourself. And the, I do not have a problem with that. But I did kind of have to bite my tongue um, when, particularly one of Isabella's high scoring rides it was one of the better rides of the women's event, like big carve out the back into this huge layback thing that I think she surprised herself that she made. So that was to me a bit like, uh, you know, she'll watch the replay and she'll, she'll get that. But I'm sure in the moment she was just very bummed to lose and I can appreciate that. Yeah. Um, a bit of maybe self delusion to a certain degree, but, um, I also kind of think it's like cool when somebody just does not give a fuck about the whole humility thing. I think humility is a bit overrated to a certain degree. I I love when, you know, Medina or whoever it is, is just like, Oh yeah, I'm the fucking best, you know, (laughs) like come at me. But on that point, yeah, Isabella kind of surprised me in this event. I don't know if she surprised you as well, but she really like, I mean, she, she seemed very much like a rookie to me in the first event and then here she seemed like kind of like she just stepped it up a lot is that just due to the waves or i don't know what what do you see there i think it's just like performing to your top level and if you can handle the pressure and do that then um that's the really the main difference and i guess what i mean by that is you see glimpses of her ability even at maui you saw it she got one really high scoring ride um and and maybe at other events in her past as like a a uh, a trialist winner or a wild card or whatever maybe she just didn't step up to her top level but I think what she did here and particularly in that hit against Tati she might have even gone to a new level for her so I think that is awesome it's cool when you see people do that and you know competition that's why it's a lot of people love doing it because it, it makes you step up and I think that she she did for sure yeah and another one who did um that you actually kind of called when we were talking about you know, who we thought might do well in this Australian leg was uh, Keely Andrew. Um, It was cool to see her kind of like really put her talent on display. Like that sounds kind of like corny and cliche, but like truly like she, if you watch her surf, like her ability level is really high. She's great technique, great style. um, And yet she's kind of struggled the years that she's been on tour to get the bigger results against these bigger names. But um, yeah, she, she kind of brought a few heats home this time. For sure. And particularly the one heat she had against Sally, which was like out the back, pretty challenging, kind of slopey, fat kind of waves. Definitely not her, I'd, I'd say she'd agree with me, that not her perfect sort of conditions if she was to dream up what would be her dream scenario. But the fact that she could step up there and similar to Isabella, get kind of two big turns off on the outside and not worry about the reform to get the win over Sally was really cool. And then she got the next round with, I think, Courtney Conalog, which was just Keely Andrew all day. Like, perfect two to three foot cupped out, peeling little right. That's where I see her doing really well. And it was cool that she was able to kind of convert that because I'm sure she was looking at those conditions just going like, this is me. Like, if the whole comp was running that stuff, she'd be, yeah, as like we saw, one of the, one of the best. Yeah. And then as far as the bigger names go, um, Tyler, who came into this event world number one, lost out early. Uh, Steph made it to the quarters for the second time this year. So those, you know, a quarter sounds like a decent result, maybe on the men's side, but for Steph Gilmore, a quarter is basically like a throwaway. Um, so I'm sure she wasn't too happy about that. Um, you know, Sally, Courtney, all of those girls like kind of made it to that middle rounds as well. And then um, you called it again with Carissa just absolutely 
dominating the field. Like it wasn't even, she wasn't even in the same competition as these other girls. It seemed like. Yeah, it did seem like a, a bit of an obvious choice, but I saw her warming up and went, "She's looking really focused and surfing really well." And obviously, she had one of the maneuvers of the sport's entire history inside Arashi or not. I think a lot of the commentary, which I was a part of, funnily enough, actually, everyone was saying it was the best air ever done in competition by a woman. I think it might be, it has to be the best air ever done by a woman, right? In or out of a jersey. From recollection, I cannot off the top of my head think of a bigger, more critical air done by a woman. There was one goofy foot girl in Brazil whose name I don't know. I can't remember, but I've seen her do a couple of cool ones, but I still don't know that it was as, as big or as, like, kind of powerful. This one had this one had some real grunt in it. Yeah, it was uh, impressive, to say the least. And on mm. that point, um, coming into this event, like I said, you picked Carissa, well done. I picked Joanne DeFay, which um, mm. definitely a bit more of a dark horse. Like, if I was being completely logical in my pick, I probably would have said Carissa as well, but I like to, I don't know, just keep it a little bit interesting. So Carissa and Joanne went up against one another. They had a really good heat. That was when Carissa landed her air. Um, and I actually got a really interesting DM from a female surfing super fan um, named Jamie. And this is what Jamie said, which I found really interesting. She said, have you noticed how Carissa always puts up crazy performances when she matches up with Joanne? Diva last year, uh, Carissa also did an air in that heat, though not as big, and she got two eights. J-Bay quarterfinals was the one where she got an eight and a nine five with that barrel on the inside section. Bells in 2015, she pulled off the maneuver of the event with Joanne in the heat, and then Margie's 2015, she put up two nines in a heat with Joanne. Um, I also went back and looked at some of their like career stats against one another. Carissa is seven and one against Joanne Lifetime, and she has a heat total average of fifteen point five against Joanne versus fourteen point six three throughout her career across all heats. So basically, an entire point higher against Joanne. It is a really interesting point, and it's something that I did think about, but in the opposite way with say Steph losing to Isabella. John John losing to Morgan, the big names and the big personalities, they almost have to expect the underdog to surf their best. And in turn, they have to then lift again. So I think most people are aware of that, that when you draw someone who, you know, you might have a higher seed, then you've got to expect them to be coming all guns blazing. And perhaps Carissa just has the foresight to know that and to then step her own level up again because Joanne's certainly one of the most improved over the last couple of years on the women's tour. So um, I think that Carissa might just be kind of one step ahead of the eight ball there. Yeah, um, interesting nonetheless to kind of see the head-to-head comparison. Yeah, it's really awesome. That's a cool um, little little stat that that, um, that DM had. That was, that was sick. Yeah, and speaking of which, do you mind if we roll into the men's with that? Oh, yeah, for sure. So um, the other big statistic, and we're going to have to kind of work our way backwards here off this one, um, is that Gabriel Medina and Itala Ferreira have surfed 10 heats against one another in their career. Um, Can you have a guess at what their uh, statistics are against one another? Yeah, without trying the other day and without kind of asking or Googling, I was trying to think about their whole career and I, I was really, really struggling to think of anything before um, 
the pipe final. So they've had the pipe final, the J-Bay final, that final. Um, uh, there's potentially one more that comes to mind. But yeah, I could only think of about three or four. And I knew they'd both been on tour for long enough. They must have had heaps. Um, so I'd, I'd imagine it might be even. Is it five all? I don't know. No, it's actually 7-3 in favor of Italo. Wow. Italo yeah, okay, cool. won their first four matchups against one another when Italo was mm. kind of first coming on tour. And since yep. then, they've basically gone back and forth one for one. Uh, yeah, that's, so yeah, most that's kind rec- of what I was thinking. Wow. So most recently, um, prior to this event, they were in the pipe semifinals together where Medina got Italo back for winning the pipe final against him in 2019. That was um, the only other one I could think of. Yeah, that one, yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah, they've basically just been going back and forth for a little bit. But um, yeah, it's really interesting to see that Italo has such a substantial jump on Medina. And um, yeah, on that. You know who else does as well, which Gabby just managed to tighten up, was um, Adriano. Mm. Adriano had had him for years, and I I got sent that. I didn't didn't really know. I can't really think back to any kind of crazy ones they've had, but he he had him like five three or something, and now it's five four. But you wouldn't think with Gabriel's dominance that he would have these kind of head to head records against um, these type of surfers. I saw something crazy. Gabriel came on and finished twelfth, seventh, and then everything after that has just been three two or one for the last like seven years. It's next level consistency. Yeah, and speaking of consistency, Gabriel has also been in the last three championship tour finals going back to 2019. He was in the pipe final against Italo where he lost, he was in the pipe final against John where he lost, and he is now in the pipe final against Italo again where he lost. So he's actually in a losing streak as far as getting into finals goes. and oh speaking of which too you also called gabby as the winner of newcastle which you were damn close going two for two so well done on that as well that's funny because i didn't have him in my fantasy surfer team but i had italo and i was trying to think i'm like what am i saying on the potty and then what does my fantasy surfer team look like and then what do i tell tom bird because it's probably all just different (laughs) things and uh yeah they're all varying degrees of right and wrong and my pick for this event was felipe who he had a good run. I loved the way he was surfing on the face of the wave. Like to me, he was probably the most impressive on the face through the event. However, he didn't bring it to that next level when he had to. When Italo and Gabby started just absolutely hammering massive airs on like pretty much every wave, Felipe just kind of kept it in that third gear. He never went up to fourth or fifth. He had one heat where he went loony bins in the afternoon. I think maybe V Leonardo. Oh, you know what? That was the one that I was asleep for. He went psycho and it was such a um I think it was the it was the round three, so it was the last heat of the day, sixteen heats. There was a couple of sleepy ones that we all thought were gonna be really action packed, like Jack and Yago had Yago had one cool moment, but we thought it was gonna be fireworks and it was a little sleepy and then um that heat to finish the day left everyone Full of beans, that's for sure. Because to Leo's credit, he actually surfed really well also. Um, but Philippe just did his thing and was um, just glued to his board. My, my text line was just blowing up. Like, what is wax is he using? 
probably Fuwax, but yeah, he was just glued, locked in. Yeah, I to me the way that he turns on smaller waves is completely unparalleled. I mean, that goes back to his win at Snapper in 2015, like where he just was eviscerating two foot walls mm. and doing the most like outrageous power carves and like tight little pockets. And um, I think we saw a bit of that at this event, um, and it was great to see. But unfortunately, yeah, he just didn't really start throwing 10 foot airs, which is what was required to make it to the final. Mm, totally. Um, before we move too far along, speaking of that final, Gabriel was absolutely poised to win that event. He had 20 minutes to get a six, and I don't really think he missed one. I even think if he lands that oop, they probably don't give it to him. It was a little bit of a sort of a cheaty one. It wasn't a crazy one. Um, so there wasn't, I don't think he missed an opportunity or anything. You, 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 well, what about his, his second high scoring wave was like, he got like a four on a left where he kind of two tagged it and there were kind of two half turns because it's a really fast wave. If he had geared up and launched off of that wave, he would have done an air 1.5 X as high as the one that he landed in the semis. True. For sure. That, that, that though, that moment in that heat was, I think it was like 35 minutes left or something when he got that wave. So uh, he was still kind of setting his, you know, run up to the win, which you can't, can't really blame him. He, he's certainly not one. We can't really crucify him for holding back. Um, uh. No, and, and that was another point that I wanted to get to is like he really just, he seems to have this competitive mindset where he just, and we've talked about this before, but he just does what's necessary in a heat to win. Like most of his heat totals were pretty close against his competitor even the one against like Morgan, like yeah, he did by far the biggest, craziest error of the event, if not that we've seen in the past like three years. But it was only because he kind of like had to because they were giving Morgan significantly bigger scores than he was getting on turns, you know? So he's like, okay, what can I do that this guy can't? A fucking 30 yard long error on a left. He has such an amazing perspective that I was lucky enough to get out of him when he had the heat against Conor O'Leary when he took off in between the restart of the heats. I don't know if you saw that. So if you ride a wave outside of the heat, you'd lose priority. So as well as him riding a wave in a time period of the heat where it didn't count in the 10-minute restart mark, but before the new heat had started, which probably would have been like a five-five-six, great way to start the heat on that shorey, he then paddled out into second priority. And I asked him about that and how he kind of resets. And he's just like, I just want to fix the mistake. I just want to fix it. I don't care. I don't think about it. It was a mistake. I just want to fix it. I just want to fix it. And it was like, holy man, he's a beast. So like you said, he's out there with Morgan. He's kind of not winning the battle on the face. And he, he, he realizes that. He goes, how am I going to fix it? Okay, well, I'm going to do this. And his, his version of fixing things is very dynamic. And uh, what was your take on that score? Should it have been a 10? <laughs> it's actually pretty funny. I was actually packing my car at the back of the event site to leave immediately from when the event finished to drive home to Tweed Heads real quick to see the family. So I actually didn't see it in person. And then I went back and watched on the replay and was like, well, the score's already come out. I can't really have an opinion because I didn't see that one live. Um, but I had the little earpiece in and I could just hear everyone going crazy. And I was like, oh, of course I missed something when I just like walked away for two seconds. <laughs> but yeah, it was sick. I'd, I don't really care for like nine seven ten chris is nine nine like whatever you could go blue in the face all day it's just it's it's one of those things 
I more blow up about tired heats like Ryan Callanan and Morgan Sibelik. Pick a winner. Don't don't do that. <laughs> just not to not to Ryan again. You're taking the piss. Just pick just. Just, that was fully just, just the judges one. Like, reading the play, yeah. like saying, like, oh, my God. Okay, so we're in Newcastle. We have two guys who are kind of the local hero, one of which maybe a little bit more, but it's, like, this weird thing. And it's, like, they just didn't want to make that. Like, they wanted that decision to be decided by the math gods. Like, they didn't want any part of saying this guy is better than that yeah, guy. Yeah, well, well said. And they, they nailed it. Yeah, I actually think out of all that, I don't know if you watched that heat, but I actually think Ryan got his score on the wave before where he fell. His, his last wave had nice theatre. He finished the wave and everything, and, and he, he did not, a series of nice, you know, smaller turns. But his wave prior had like a CT moment in it, I think the best turn of the heat, and he falls on the third turn. But he only needed a 4.8. It wasn't like he needed a 7. And as they, that was all going in, I was kind of thinking, if they're going to give it to him, he rode two waves really quickly, so they hadn't read out either score yet. I'm like, if they're going to give it to either wave, it's the it's the first one. So when the, that got read out as a 4.57, I was thinking, oh, he's toast here. And then it came out as a 4.87, the next one, and I just wanted to cry. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. Um, but I did love the local storyline, um, even if it was maybe potentially depending on who you ask getting a little bit pushed along by the judges um did you see that did you see that the morgan and i guess i haven't heard it so much about ryan but i I, i've heard from a few different people that they felt morgan's scores were being bolstered a bit and not that it necessarily decided any heat other than the ryan one because if you look morgan was winning by fairly substantial margins but for instance in the john heat I had a lot of people saying, like, you know, they gave Morgan, um, like, an 8 for a wave, and then they gave him a 9, where Johns weren't that far off. And sometimes it's a, it's more of a mental thing. Like, John starts thinking, like, oh, he's getting, like, higher scores than me for doing similar things, so, like, what, how do I make that gap up? And it, like, it plays into the psychology of the whole thing. So, yeah, I don't know. What was your read on that from the ground? My read on that from the ground was John's first wave in that heat was the best wave I thought he'd surfed in the event to to date, which he'd only surfed two heats, but he looked really, really sharp. And my personal feeling is that when he kicked out of that wave, saw Morgan get whatever the end of his ride and probably computing it going, okay, we've got a heat on our hands here. We'll see what they come out as. I, I think he was probably a little caught off when he heard that he only marginally lost the opening exchange. Because exactly what you just said there, I think John fell into that trap of, and he he alluded to that when I had a quick chat with him before he before he left the event was that he thought he was he was kind of thinking it too far ahead, thinking he had to do more than what he needed to do. Now he can't he can't blame anyone for that, and he knows that he wasn't saying that it was the judging decision that made him do that, but it would have to weigh on your mind, uh, I, I think, but perhaps subconsciously. Yeah, I mean. It- it's it's tricky, you know, with these the judging because I would say John surfing looked much more refined and kind of elegant and like angular than Morgan's, which is a little bit more square and just like what you see is what you get. Whereas John, there's a lot of like nuance in his turns and everything. Um, so it, you know, there's not necessarily any right or wrong, but I would say that what John is doing on a wave is more difficult than what Morgan's doing on a wave. Morgan probably caught better waves, which should not be discounted. That is a part of competition, a major part of competition. More often than not, the person that catches the best waves is going to make it through. 
Um, well, it does. It yeah, does matter because it gives you better opportunity. That's that's the only. Yeah, they're not. I know what you're trying to say, and I, I'm, I'm more often than not with you on that, but when you're looking at that particular wave, and this is the only thing I wanted to say this whole podcast, which is thinking about the whole drive home, was that what Ryan and Morgan did in their heats to display local knowledge and execute it, I haven't seen that in a very long time from, you know, quote unquote locals. Uh, for example, I thought what Jackson Baker was doing in his free surfs was unbelievable. He was on the waves. He couldn't convert that in his heats, and he and he knows that. Same with perhaps Philippa, but to have that knowledge to convert it and pick the right wave, and to then surf it, like it was like Adam Robert Bell's or something when he got second to Parker. It was like wow, this guy is just ticking all the boxes. He's ripping. He's on the right waves, and he's picking them in his heats in thirty minutes. Like for plenty of times, I looked out there at Ryan or Morgan, and they'd waited for more than five minutes, and I'm thinking if that's anyone else, they're cooked but they still waited, they let the shit one go, and then they were on the better wave. And that, at that particular wave, where the scoring opportunity was pretty limited, it made all the difference. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, and on that point too, you know, we can debate all day whether or not it's a viable or valuable CT venue, but just on a personal level, um, I thought that the waves looked so much fun. Like to me, even the little shore break, like, I would so much rather watch guys surf a little bold out, double up, reform thing that they can do airs, they can like click the fins, they can do whatever, than kind of like a fat burglary wave, even like bells. Like to me, I, I don't know, it's like way more fun to watch guys let loose. It didn't take you long to come around, did it? Eh? You were cooking me in that Starkey podcast and now you're a converted man. And I love it. It's the truth. We all surf those waves. You and I surf those waves. We all have one of those waves in our front yard. So when you see that, the, the top level surfer, you're like, holy shit, these guys, we knew they were good. But when you see them doing it, you're like, oh my goodness, these guys are really, really special. And it, it I, I, you know, Narrabeen's going to be kind of similar. It's, it's, it's a good wave, but it's not, you know, I don't know that... I don't know if we're going to be blessed with like a classic Narrabeen swell. I hope we are, but if we're not, it's going to be a real chess match. And the, the level of competition, as you've seen, the four best surfers, well, the three best surfers of our era in those kind of waves were in the semifinals. And then we had the, we had the fairy tale with Morgan. But the top, the other three, those Brazilian guys, they've been dominating the sport for the last five years and they're all in the semis. Like it's just sort of, you know, it's sort of all come together for them really when you look at this new leg but they're they're 100% the best performers so they deserve to be there on that before we move on to any more particular moments about the event I just have to give Newcastle a big old shout out it is the sickest town you could ever cross it's been told a thousand times but it is like a big city with a regional feel with a epic stretch of coastline with the main beach you can surf or you can sneak up or down the coast and get waves and it is just everyone's frothing to have us there, and that's um, you know you'd think would be, you think would be just like a given, but there are definitely other spots around the world where you're not so welcomed, and Newcastle is just the sickest joint, and I hope they do have another CT there because I can't wait to go back. Fuck! I knew you were in the WSL's pocket. I didn't know you were in with Tourism Newcastle as well. I am, yeah. Anyway, let's talk about the man of the hour, Mr. Italo Ferreira. Um, there was a point in the event 
where one of the commentators, I believe it was Joe Turpel, but I, I'm not certain. Maybe you could tell me. Um, but he said something along the lines of Italo's been saving himself with heirs. Basically meaning that, you know, he's, in my eyes, what he's saying is he's using them as kind of like a last resort to get out of heats. Um, and in my eyes, barring the heat with maybe David Silva, I just feel like that's a really, like, un-nuanced take of what Italo is doing. Because, like, at what point do we recognize that going out there and just absolutely throwing everything you have at every section is a viable strategy for the world's most consistent aerialist. Like it's not to me it's no longer like this this last last chance, last hope sort of thing. Like it's this is him thinking ahead. He's seeing I'm going to go to that middle peak rather than the rocks because I know I can take off, I can go right, I can go left and at sometime or another I'm going to find a giant ramp and I'm going to land something in 30 minutes. Like that's just how it works. That's how I surf. Yeah. I, I I get where you're going with that, and I, and I agree. He he's not saving anything. He he doesn't have um that sort of performance strategy in mind. I don't think he has definitely has strategy in mind. You see him. He sat on Jackson Baker. He sat on David Silver. But that was after he did forty thousand airs and landed two of them. So he he's not. I don't think saving. Gabby and Philippe are saving, and Jordy might be saving a bit. Too much. I think you saw in Geordie's heat with Connor Coffin, he was saving it. He pulled it out, but then he lost on the buzzer. So he might have pulled it out too late. Uh, but the, he's, the Italo is not saving anything. No, no. I, I, I didn't hear that, but I don't, I don't know who said it, but I don't think so. I mean, I think we look at, especially like the semis and the final, I don't think he fell on an air. Like he was just clicking absolutely everything and like greasing landings like he just looked so connected and so confident and and those are not easy conditions to do airs in either he's out the back on a kind of like not super defined peak like it's it shifts a lot there's a bit of backwash it's not like a you know super crisp lip and he's throwing it into an offshore wind which for most surfers makes an air slightly more difficult. For Italo, it probably helps a bit because if he throws it sideways into the wind fast enough, it catches it on his feet. But by most standards, like those are not air waves and he's just absolutely hurling himself and just coming out of it like nothing happened. Yeah, agreed. It was barely airable out there. I think you saw, um, I can't remember which heat it was, but it was like two really good air guys uh, and they could not, they could not stick one. I think it might have been the heat with Philippe, um, Philippe and Yago. I think. Uh, oh, mate, I'm not too sure. Anyway, they just had to resort to turns because they they couldn't they couldn't get that like approach angle how it needed to be to kind of create the wind to be a a sticking point rather than a flying away point. And Italo, he he managed that. No worries. So on that point, how do you feel about Italo? You know, now I'm almost going like against what I said before. But how do you feel about Italo using what is essentially the same maneuver over and over again to get through a bunch of heats and win an event? Like, is does it strike you as strange that he's able to kind of just like click these airs and guarantee himself, you know, a seven or an eight? Nah, it, it's it's cool because you, the other person's still got to beat you, and um, until that person puts up a similar score or similar, uh, you know interpretation of of the same turn or or air 
there's nothing really to talk about. He's he's pretty well putting people to the sword. Um, but I do feel, and I've said it before, I think variety should be over two waves. And in a situation like his, if someone did, you know, a backside air and a frontside air, and they were all airs were fairly similar, and you had to pick one. I'd like to see the person that could go left and right. And I know Italy can go left and right, but he does seem to go right a lot. And I don't have a problem with it. They're most of them are, are sick airs, and they're not giving him excellent scores. They're giving him good scores. So the door's open there. He's not comboing people, but all the heats that he's had, I haven't really seen them be close heats. So it's not really a, a thing of worry for me at the moment but I get what you're saying and variety isn't the criteria it is positioned at one wave I think it should be variety over two waves I think the surfer that can do even you break it down on turns frontside snaps backside snaps if a guy like you know there's plenty of you know goofy footers on tour that just do backside snaps all day you know David Silver's one he doesn't have a lot of variety there so um and if he had a close heat I would like to see someone who could perhaps carve and snap take that heat out if it was a close one yeah and to your point also like in the final you know one of Italo's counting scores was an error the other one was on turns and also to the judges credit the best score in the final was Gabby's um, turn wave which um, I think you told me that that was the most impressive bottom turn you've ever seen is that right we were all completely flawed I don't know what it looks like on the webcast I actually haven't watched it back but um, it was the fastest transition I've ever seen someone do with my own eyes coming off the bottom. It was ridiculous. Um, and I haven't really gone back to watch it because I have a feeling it might not be as good as what I remember it to be. So I might just not watch it and leave the memory as it is. But I was standing next to um, Steph and, and a few others and we were all just like, what was that? And the judges saw that too. Like you said, it was the highest score of the heat. He he ripped that wave. Yeah, I've watched a lot of times. My initial reaction was the same. The first time I saw it, I was like, holy shit. Like it it looked like a different maneuver than a bottom turn. Like it the amount of speed and the angle that he took, like it just yeah, it looked like he was to me it almost looked like he was riding like a twin fin or something, and he found that one sweet spot where you like hook and it like does a slip a side slip up. And like you don't lose any traction, you somehow and you get just a giant squirt of speed out of it. But he's obviously on a thruster and just achieving angles formerly thought impossible. Oh, every other person on the planet goes careering off the back of that wave into the stratosphere with two broken legs. The, how quickly he twisted and changed direction. There's no way anyone else brings that back down towards Earth again like he did. And then. Um, he left his board up in the in the zone where we were all sort of hanging out after the event and, of course, had to chuck it under the arm. And it's just a 5'11 with, like, an Oki-style one-job, one-wax job, filthy, and it was so heavy, I, I am just flabbergasted. It was one of the heaviest 5'11s. It was the heaviest 5'11 I've ever picked up. <laughs> He's just a... Uh... He's just kind of a freak, huh? He's like he's super strong. I mean, we see it in other sports as well. Like the the top really high level players, like you know, um, baseball players who hit a lot of home runs. Their bats are oftentimes really heavy compared to you know like a more normal player. And granted, they're they're probably bigger dudes, so there is some correlation there. But like 
there is something to weight being there that you can probably create more pressure, you can create more drive, you can create more spray, and that's what Gabby's looking to do. But the fact that on top of that, he can do a freaking 30-yard air on the same board is baffling. Was that your caption on the stab Instagram? Yeah, that was me. That was well done. Thank you. Um, and sorry, just back to the air thing with, with what we were talking about with Italo. Um, the point of like comparison that I wanted to bring up is Jadson Andre winning the 2010 Santa Catarina Pro in Brazil against Kelly Slater, basically just on the back of that one grab rail forehand air reverse, which at the time was almost like the pinnacle of like what you could do in competitive surfing. And he was so good at it that he was untouchable, even by the greatest surfer of all time in this week left, because no matter how many little backside up and down Slater does, it's not as impressive as popping up and spinning around. And I just wonder if in 10 years from now, in 2030 or 2031, if we're going to look back at this kind of full rotation, um, just send off that Italo does in a similar manner. What do you think about that? Well, on that, I think Ry Craig would have comboed Jadson if it was Ry Craig in the final and not Kelly. And then on that, I think Albie Leia would have to say that, yes, by 2030, everyone will be doing double spins, and that'll just be the new normal. As much as I, like, from a, from a having lived, you know, 27 years and seen how fast things have progressed and how things will always continue to progress, I don't know how much faster you can spin than Italo Ferreira. Like he is, he by the time he's launching off the lip, he's so far. His board is still, you know, his nose is kind of pointing toward the shore, but his body is already like rotated. Like his his front shoulder is facing back toward the other direction. You know what I mean? Like I don't know how much more torque you can create in the air unless you're obviously on a huge section. But most of the sections that these guys are hitting are already pretty big. Like it, it would take a lot of just sheer athleticism to spin any faster than he does and i also just think there's nothing wrong with a big frontside carve like some of philippe's waves that he surfed are just as entertaining to me with the speed at which he's turning his board or like gabby's bottom turn that, that, that i feel like there might be the, the more growth zone over the next five years like if everyone was doing bottom turns like gabby then 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 there's the potential I feel like that might be a bit easier to reach rather than everyone doing double spins. A hundred percent. I but I almost think that what Gabby did is harder because we've been watching surfing for how long and you know you've never seen a bottom turn like that. I probably have never seen a bottom turn like that. Like Aki's done some fucked up backside bottom turns as well. Probably maybe the only person that's done them on par with Gabby is Aki. Um which just goes to show you, you know, Aki is two decades uh, Medina's senior and there's been that means a 20 year gap between the, the most recent person who's done one and Gabby now so and, and the bottom turn is not it's the furthest thing from progression right in terms of like trickiness or anything like that like a bottom turn is simply locking in and turning your body and your legs as hard as you possibly can and it's taking 20 years to even reach like an Aki level or maybe going a step above it so um I almost think that that's harder than learning how to do a full rotation or maybe even a double spin. You might be right. I won't. I won't be seeing um, myself or any of the local punters out the beachy doing that anytime soon. So yeah, you're right. I'm not too sure what's harder, but they're both definitely, definitely reserved for the top echelon. But as like a coach, you know, let's take your WSL hat off. As a coach, 
is that something that you think you could break down to a point of being able to teach it? Or is that just like an inherent, you know, thing within a person that like you can just fucking turn your board like that? Well, the reason why I say that is I think everyone on tour can do a backside bottom turn. So you kind of already have somewhat of a, you know, general feeling or, or, or body positioning of what that's going to feel like. Not everyone on tour does airs. So that's why I feel like maybe it could be reached quicker. Um, and then as for coaching that one, I think it's probably going to require some external training for sure, just to deal with like the velocity required and then the turning at that speed and being stable on your board and getting a, a really, really good re- relationship with your front leg and front hip being kind of forward rather than turning off your fins. I think Gabby's kind of, like Oki did, kind of they're turning off their front foot, which is exceptionally difficult. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so it almost takes like a completely different technique, which is really hard to change. Yeah, you're right. I kind of sort of didn't, that didn't really make sense. Everyone can do a bottom turn, but no one's doing them like that. They would have to recenter their body weight, I think. Oh, and sorry, we would be remiss not to mention um, Matt Benting, who we had really high hopes for coming into this event, but he unfortunately lost out in the elimination round. That's a, that's a dirty turd. So what what are your thoughts like to me is is it that he has a mental block in ct events or is his surfing more translatable to qs events i I think it's like what i mentioned earlier about say you know uh, some of the some of the women like reaching their potential in their heats there's no doubt the quality of surfer matt banting is it's just about him maximizing his opportunities so perhaps it is more mental um to me, he he just looked a little slower than what he usually looks in his free surfs and in his video parts, which is a crying shame because I I know he was really disappointed. He he wanted to put in a bit better of a showing for himself and for his you know, for his family. And there's been a few things going on up his way with some flooding and stuff like that. So I'm sure the whole town was kind of getting behind him, and I'm sure he probably wanted to, you know, um, put on a show for everyone as well as himself. So I think, um, you know, overall, he'll be, he'll be really disappointed. Um, there's no doubt the quality of surfer he is. It's just a matter of kind of finding, uh, finding that in your, in your 30 minutes. And I particularly think his round one heat, it was probably a missed opportunity for him. It, it, it definitely played into, you know, his wheelhouse of what he's really good in. And then in his second heat, I thought he looked a lot better, but just, you know, just out-surfed, unfortunately. Yeah, so um, now looking at the standings after two events, we basically have kind of like a a real two-man runaway race on the men's side with Gabby and Italo, and then John is a few thousand points below them. And then on the women's side, um, we have Carissa sitting like pretty much alone at the top right now because Tyler did so badly in this event. So it made me think, though, like, God, it almost... I mean, in my eyes, it almost doesn't really matter. Like, the, the whole standings throughout the season thing, it just doesn't feel like it's as big of a deal, at least in that top, you know, two or three sort of range as it used to. Like, if a guy gets a 20,000-point lead, it's like, great, but that's not going to equal a world title for you necessarily. And I got shown door by Italo on that in his interview after the final. I just sort of said, you stoked me in the yellow jersey, and he just straight up said it doesn't matter to him. And kind of just had to had to nod at him and go yep next question <laughs> he's, he's right it doesn't it, it doesn't matter <laughs> so um maybe um something that 
the sport might have to think about and a different way to position it because if the surfers don't have that value over it anymore then then there might be a question around why we need to have it because the best the, the reigning world champ current world number one just straight up told me he didn't care and i was i was proper thrown back by it i was like oh <laughs> whoops shouldn't have asked <laughs> well to be fair Kolohe got the yellow jersey at some point a few years ago when it did matter in terms of winning a world title directly from the standings and he said something similar he basically said like we're at like a point in the season me wearing a yellow jersey right now has no real correlation with how the end of the season ranking so like I don't see it any differently so to be like I guess a little bit even-handed with the WSL like surfers have been saying that for a while um, but I do think that it probably has more relevance in the current context. Well, rather than being critical and just offering no solution, I'll be critical and offer a solution, and that solution is to give the person in fifth a coloured jersey. And there we know who's the cut-off <laughs> line, and he's on the chopping block, and this guy's in fifth, and let's he's the target number. So uh, that, could be, that, could, that could be kind of funny, like a, you know, I don't know what colour you'd make it, but... He's the he's the one everyone's kind of gunning for. That would be amazing. Yeah, it'd have to be like a checkered flag or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Checkered ration. Oh, imagine that. Uh, oh, wow. That would like bring, I guess, obviously they're trying to create, um, you know, a story around the yellow jersey as, you know, it has had a big effect in the past. Going in as the number one seed has definitely mattered into, say, a final event. But going in as the fifth seed into the final event before the finals that would be that would be scary yeah oh my god it'd be terrifying and you know the whole yellow jersey thing i believe it originates from cycling um you know in the tour de france the leader wears a yellow jersey but it is a little bit like you know imagine finishing the tour de france in first place and it's like great job now you get a little bit of a uh bonus starting point ahead of the guys in the race that actually matters you know like it would be a little bit um demoralizing so mm. i i feel Italo on that front but anyway uh there was a big announcement at the end of the event yesterday do you want to uh share with the viewers who may or may not know what that is yeah the tour has um announced I believe four more events to the season. Five, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, four regular events and the and Rip Curl WSL finals, which is obviously at Trestles. They've added the Surf Ranch Pro. Obviously, that's in California. This is a cool one. The Corona Open in Barra in Mexico, which is the famous wave from the search in think it was 2005 2006 okay there we go it was close um the oi rio pro obviously going to be in sakurama which i note here has a very short window august the 11th to august 16th that is one of the shortest waiting periods i've ever seen then the adenon pro tahiti august 22 to september 1 and then the finals which is september 8 to September 17. Okay, now, follow-up question. What is the vaccination situation in Australia right now? Slow. Anyone under 50 has been advised against having the AstraZeneca vaccine. Okay, so you can get it. Is it like people are trying to get it but can't because there's not enough? Um, correct. Got it, okay. Yeah, in the States, it's becoming much more ubiquitous. 
in a lot of states you can get it as long as you're over like 16. Um, I'm trying to get mine really soon. I would imagine that anybody on the WSL would have to get theirs um, pretty much as soon as humanly possible. I, I would imagine they're making it a requirement of um, athletes, but maybe you could fill me in on whether or not that's true. I have not been privileged that information. No. Okay, so maybe that's the reason that they're doing a short window in Brazil. And also, I think it's just simply that, you know, I understand why they want to run an event in Brazil. And I think they also see it as like, it's going to be a beach break. You know, we know there's either going to be waves or there's not going to be waves. It'll probably be contestable, though. Um, and so I think they're just seeing this as like, let's take another one off the box. They probably get some money out of it. They probably get on paper some more legitimacy to this year's tour, just adding another stop. You know what I mean? Like on paper, it's like, oh, we got nine events versus eight. For sure. The tour, it, it looks amazing. It, it, it is a legitimate tour. You, you cannot, you know, we've had these conversations about will this year's world champion be uh, legitimate and a hundred thousand percent they might be the most legitimate world champ ever because of the all the hurdles they've all got to go through and the events they got to surf and win to then make the top five to then go and win that and pipe was in the season i know it's not the final but you still had to perform there if you want to make that top five well we'll see because my theory is that felipe toledo will still end up in the top five despite a poor showing at pipe which I think is again much easier to have that poor result at the beginning of the year versus having to rely on it to win a world title as the last event. So I think that's why he's in like a better position than ever. Granted, the tour ends um, at Chopu, which is you know another hurdle for him. So uh, it's a cool that that's the last event of the year to decide who the top five will be. Um, and it's interesting though because you're taking guys who perform well at Chopes and then you're putting them to decide a title out at lowers, which seems, you know, a little contrarian and maybe a little bit backwards as well. Yeah, they won't be taking the Tahiti Quiver um, across the Pacific, that's for sure. I mean, imagine if Jeremy Flores wins another, you know, Chopo event and sneaks his way into the top five somehow. Like, <laughs> that, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's a different kettle of fish. Like, obviously, Jerry, Jeremy's great on the face as well, but I would say against Italo and Gabby and those guys that, uh, trestles he doesn't stand a chance yeah but you've got to you know you've got to get there there's some some guys that don't stand a chance at other places and then do really well at others and yeah i i, I think that if you, like you said there's eight events so if you can make it into the oh, nine events if you can make it into the top five then you deserve to be there and i agree with you about philippe he didn't do he didn't do well at pipe and he probably will make the top five so yeah, but it was there. It you know it was there to be surfed, and the opportunity was there. There's a lot of um, pipe holds a lot of value uh, as it should, and um, yeah, I guess Philippe's really the only one who's kind of letting me down there. <laughs> if he wins the twelve title, he might win Chopes. It could be macking Chopes. And he might win Chopes. Who knows? We'll see. All right. So next up is Narabeen. Um, can you tell myself and the rest of our American listeners who may not know that much about it, a little bit about the wave and the area and what we can expect? Another mad surf town that's going to be pretty happy to have us. Um, your wild cards are Dylan Moffat and Laura Enova, my fellow commentator. And it is um, a predominantly a left 
um, but on the right directions, it can be uh, a right and a left. The right's got a little air ramp on it. And it's looking like it's a little too far out, but I'll, I'll put my neck out and say we could be, I don't know if it's blessed, but the opening first couple of days look like a really long-range south swell, uh, which unfortunately, from my recollection of Narrabeen, don't do it much justice. Uh, you would rather a shorter period swell f- that has a bit more east in the direction that kind of makes it a bit more like a fun beachy rather than a stretched out um, left point slash close out. But we'll we'll see. Um, if the sand's decent for it, then 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 we could be in for a real treat because there's definitely waves on the way. Radio. And um, yeah, let's lay down some picks and see if you can go uh, two for two in the events, picking at least one winner. So... Uh, Okay, here's the rule, though. You cannot pick anyone in the top two of the men or women's side of the draw to win the event. That, that's fine. So, women, go. Lakey Peterson. Okay. Um, I will go Caroline Marks. Even though it's a left and she's known for her backhand, I feel like uh, Caroline is ready to pounce. Roger. And what about men? Mick Fanning. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? straight out of retirement into his first event in what three years and just if if he doesn't get fifth or better i'll be baffled just because he's mick or because you think that he's especially attuned to this sort of wave he's especially attuned to competition and i just think the level of professionalism that he carries is still very relevant uh in today's way of competing so, you know, he might be a little bit of, like, two minds. Like, part of him might feel like, oh, you know, like, I left the tour. That was my decision. I don't want to come in here and, like, ruin some kid's dream or whatever. But then the other side is, like, he's Mick Fanning, you know? And I, I imagine he will ultimately turn on that, like, just Terminator mode and be really, really scary for anybody who comes near him. And also, he's not competed in a long time. And that's probably really exciting for him. Like, that competitive drive in most champions it doesn't die you know like he he probably needs to find somewhere else to put it he might put it into business he might put it into his new family but i think he would love to have this outlet where he can just absolutely let loose yeah i think he'd love to put it into a few backside rios and he's he's been training he's got his boards dialed he's back working with his old coach phil mack and he's taking this very seriously and that's why i think he's going to do really really well and I'll, I'll pick him to win, but I'll, like I said, I, I, I don't see him getting anything worse than a fifth. I think the smart money says that uh, Gapier Itala will probably win this event as well, but I am going to go... Hold on, give me a sec to think about this. Really, Google search, Narrabeen. <laughs> <laughs> the hog? Is the hog in the event? <laughs> I heard the hog wanted to do the trials, um, but they didn't do a trial, so they just gave it straight to Dylan Moffat, who well-deserved. He's been smashing the QS, so that was an easy one. There wasn't any inter-club fighting for that. Um, it was just straight-up decision. All right, well, I'm going to go a little bit with the grain, a little bit against the grain. I'm going to say Ryan Callanan's going to get his first CT win here. Um, he obviously had a big showing at Nui, which I bet was super exciting for him. Narrabeen is not his hometown, but it's not far off either. Um, I love his forehand. I think we saw in France in 2019 what he's able to do with that ridiculous forehand hack that he has. 
um, graded airs as well. And I think that he's just feeling good, which is the most important thing for competition. Um, and I couldn't think of a better guy to win it. I agree. He and he got third there at the Australian Open a couple of years ago in the QS in the Manly area. So he's sort of, you know, well suited to the northern beaches. I think Manly is, is a, probably an inferior wave to Narrabeen. So if Ryan can do it there, let's hope he can do it up at Narrabeen. All right. Um, anything else you can think of that we might have missed? Oh, no, I think we did pretty well to cover most things and more. Where are you at the moment? You look like you're having a mighty fun time. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sunburnt, if that's what you mean, and my hair needs to be washed, but I'm down in Mexico right now. We are busily filming for the electric acid surfboard test with Mason and Coco Ho, riding some 25 surfboards of varying shapes and sizes. I think the range is actually from 9'2 to 4'8". So, uh, yeah, we've just been playing around on the points down here and having a lot of fun. The four foot eight, just your regular thruster? <laughs> yeah, I snuck it into the mix. <laughs> no, I had to get that in there. Um, have, you, have you snuck a little turn on one of the boards? And if so, can you, can you give the, um, the listeners a sneak peek? Oh, one of the boards. Oh, you've been riding them all. I've been having a field day, dude. I've been, yeah. Oh, wow. Lucky boy. And speaking of board tests, Stacy, it's come to my attention that you will actually be joining the Joyride property and doing some board tests of your own down in Australia. And you have one coming out uh, maybe in about a week or so. So, yeah, what's going on there? I do. Thank you, Mikey. Thanks for the um, kind of the forced call up. I guess the story goes Alex Cruz was going to ship a board to you and I kind of just sort of said, why the fuck are we sending a board from the east coast of Australia to the northeast coast of America when there's about 80,000 mediocre surfers on the Gold Coast that could just do the job for you? <laughs> uh, and then one thing led to another and I became one of those mediocre surfers that is going to give the thing a go. So um, it, was, it was hard for me to do the first one with one of Alex's boards because I obviously... Uh, wanted to do something that was, um, you know, honest and reliable, but then also needed to, uh, you know, I didn't want to, you know, it was going to be hard if the board went like a piece of shit, which thankfully it didn't. And uh, I had a really good time on it. And I was tripping to, um, you know, you get so much footage of yourself, it's confronting. And then it's also like, once you digest it, you're like, okay, got some things to work on. And then you chip away at them and put together a little board review, which is, heaps of fun first time i've ever done anything like that and um yeah hopefully people view it and get some sort of information out of it all right well i think we're all looking forward to seeing that this week on stabmag.com but until then stays i guess this is it till narrabeen so um yeah have a nice time at home give your boy a kiss and um we'll see you back on the webcast soon this has been the stab cusp and we'll catch you in a couple weeks